All right, we ready for the new series? You probably have your journal. If you don't have a journal, you can grab one on your way out. We still have some left. It's free. You don't have to pay for it. And Lent began this past week on Wednesday. Uh, let's see if you, if you can follow along um, with uh, kind of just the, the, some of the church calendar. Tuesday was actually, what was Tuesday? Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras began in... Mobile, Alabama. Somebody almost said New Orleans, but they didn't. Somebody beat you to it. Mobile. It actually started in Mobile, Alabama, which means Wednesday was Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday begins the journey of Lent. If you didn't grow up in a liturgical church, I didn't grow up in a liturgical church, so I didn't know anything about any of these practices until I was older. And I began to find such great significance in learning some of the, the church calendar so that I could walk alongside it. And the whole idea of Easter and Lent is this. Turn your mind and your heart towards Jesus for these 40 days. Just in, in, in whatever way you can, like put Jesus at the center of your heart and your mind. And I say this, I know, a lot, but if you miss Jesus this Easter, you miss everything. Because that is the whole point of this season, is to, to put Jesus at the center and to focus on him. Um, some people give up things for Lent, you know, so like some people give up chocolate or coffee or, I don't know, whatever you want to give up. Some people give up things for Lent. And um, here's the good news. I didn't even know this until even later that you can actually indulge in whatever that is that you gave up on Sundays because it's a celebration day. It's a feast day, Sunday. So those 40 days, some of you are learning this right now. I could just hear this like, oh, I can have coffee today. Like 10 people walked up and went to the coffee bar, right? <laughs> right when I say that. So um, we're going we're gonna to begin this journey to Easter together, uh, the, the, the journey of Lent. And we're going to focus on Jesus. And we're going to do that this year talking about the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' most famous sermon or teaching. And um, in this message, in this teaching, he's basically leading his disciples and the crowds that gathered and then us by extension, so us today in our world, to walk a certain way. And if we'll walk a certain way, walk this way, you get the tie there. If we walk a certain way, we'll find the joy and the life that God wants us to experience in this world. Now, to try to get our minds around the Sermon on the Mount, um, it's, it's sometimes helpful to get a picture of, of what was happening and what was going on and where this took place. So a couple years ago, a number of us, I, I saw some of you in the room this morning, were in Israel, and um, almost two years ago to the day we were there, and um, on a Sunday, we actually uh, got into a boat and headed out across the, the, the Sea of Galilee, which you've heard about the Sea of Galilee in the New Testament. Um, we headed out across the Sea of Galilee, and I took this, I just snapped this picture of, of, the, um, of the mountains around it, and the idea Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount would, would have found a spot on this mountain, and the crowds would have gathered, they gathered around him to hear him teach. And if you think about how this might have ha happened, even a room like this is set up almost like an amphitheater. So if you think about like a hillside going up, like one of these over on the side, Jesus probably would have stood there, or he probably would have, he might have sat. I, we don't know like exactly. And, and people would have gathered all around him, and he would begin teaching. 
And when he taught, he would teach with some ideas or metaphors or thoughts that were common to them so that they would understand these deeper truths or the kingdom truths in, in, in some form or fashion, something that, tangible that they could, they could take and go, oh, now I get it. He would teach in parables, for example. And these parables would, would help people get a better grasp on who God is and who they were. And then he would encourage them or challenge them to live in certain ways. And that's what he's doing in the Sermon on the Mount. So isn't that awesome? Like just to this picture, Tiberius off over in the distance on, on the, um, down on the coast. And we were kind of traveling up to uh, Capernaum. And um, Nazareth is where we were kind of headed up onto the north side of the Sea of Galilee. And that's where they believe Jesus probably would have gathered uh, the crowds to teach this. He begins his teaching with a series of statements about blessings, God's blessings. And I, w- I just want to ask you, when you think about God's blessings, or you see hashtag blessed, if you frequent Instagram or Facebook, what comes to mind? Like, what would we say represents God's blessing? What do you think? Okay, salvation. We're in church, so you got to say the church things first. Salvation is one of them. Yeah, it's a good one. But like when you see it in culture, where might you see this word blessed? Some of you are like, I know, but I don't want to say it out loud because I'm not sure. Family. Family? So sometimes we think family. I heard grandkids over here. I think I heard grandkids. Um, What about like a new house? Blessed. Hashtag blessed. I got a new house. Hashtag blessed. Or a new car. Or hell, yeah, yeah, all these things. We think that these certain things signify blessings of God. And what Jesus does is he kind of like turns everything on its head because people in the first century believed the same exact thing that God's blessings were seen or understood in good things. If I have a lot, I've been blessed by God. If I have a house, a car, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, if I have everything that I want, that signifies that God has blessed me. Or if I'm driving at Costco and it's packed on a Saturday and that front spot, someone backs out just as I'm pulling in, hashtag blessed. (laughs) God loves me. And Jesus begins with this, this line of statements that says things like, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. That's when you're blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for doing the right thing. That's when you're blessed. And what Jesus was doing is he was saying that God's blessing is for everyone, regardless of what you see on the externals of your life. God's blessing is for you. No matter where you are, what you're experiencing, what you have or what you don't have, God's blessing is with you. And then his challenge turns, and this is where we're going to camp out today. He says this, now that you understand that you're blessed, all of you, so based on that, um, based on the idea of everyone is, is or can be blessed by God, how many in this room would say, I am or can be blessed by God? That's everyone. That was a trick question. I just want to make sure you're still awake and with me. So you're blessed because you're human. You have God's spirit within you. Like God breathed you into being. Like we all have life because of God. God sustains it all. So we're all blessed. And then Jesus 
makes this statement and he says, you now, because you are blessed by God, you are the salt of the earth. Have you ever heard this statement? You are the salt of the earth. And likewise, you are the, you're the light of the world. If you're like me and you look in the mirror or you look at your life, you begin to wonder, like, how could I be the salt of the earth? Like, I don't, there's nothing special about me. I'm pretty ordinary. Even my wife would tell you I'm pretty boring. There's nothing incredibly special or what the world might call blessed about me. And Jesus would say, well, you're in the perfect position to be the salt of the earth. Like, it's this, this turn. We sometimes see people in uh, uh, positions of power or authority or blessing as, as having the right platform to further God's kingdom or his love or his grace or his mercy. I mean, my guess is even some of you in this room say, Matt, because you stand up front on Sundays and you get to talk, you're the one. You're, you're, you're the one who gets to share the light of God because you talk on Sundays. And what Jesus would say, no, 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 no. In our ordinary, everyday lives, that has, is where we've been scattered and placed on purpose to be what he calls the salt of the earth. I love how Eugene Peterson says it. So let's look at Eugene Peterson's just to kind of give us uh, a, a different way to understand it. He says this, let me tell you why you're here. In the, 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 this is the message translation. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Isn't that a great line? You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, in other words, if you don't understand, if you don't realize that God has blessed you and given you something in your particular place, in your space in life, if you don't realize that and you hold on to that saltiness, you don't actually be salt or become salt to the world around you, then you'll lose your saltiness. How will people taste godliness if in our everyday lives we're not that kind of salt in the world? How will they ever taste godliness? The world just doesn't bring these flavors out. You have to. And if you've lost your usefulness, you'll end up in the garbage. Wow. It's encouraging. Um, you know, last night we made uh, baked potatoes for dinner. And I know, it's like so simple. I took baked potatoes and I um, coated them in oil, olive oil. Some of you are like, you? Yes, me. Come on. Coated them in olive oil and then I took um, uh, sea salt, like the thick kind, the big flakes, you know, and I kind of sprinkled it all over the, the potatoes. I even turned them and got my hands messy, kind of turned them in the potatoes, got all the sea salt. I put them in the oven for about 70 minutes. That's about the perfect time to where they're super like, you know, um, they're so good. And I opened the potato, and uh, I just took a little bite, and I was like, this tastes terrible. It's awful. Until I put, see, you thought I was going to say salt because of this. No, bacon. <laughs> Until I put bacon on it. I put bacon and cheese, and it changed everything. <laughs> a little bit of pepper. I did add some salt and some butter. Now, there's salt on the bacon, and there's salt in the butter, and so there's kind of salt all over it at this point. 
and I, and, I, and I learned a long time ago, because when I first started making baked potatoes, I would just put everything on top and I would start eating it. And then I realized when you get down to the bottom of the baked potato, it tastes gross again. Except unless you put enough butter on it to where it melts all the way down. But you know what I mean. And so then you have to put more. So then I realized, no, 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 you have to mix it up because salt in one place doesn't do much. And Christians in one place don't do much. You guys are, you guys are preaching the sermon today. I don't even have to. It's awesome. And then I was thinking about like salt profiles or taste profiles and what it is that God wants us to bring about in life. And I started thinking about flavor profiles. My wife is so good. Some of you, um, I've, I've had dinner at some of your houses. Um, I know like Kate's a great cook as well. And you know the, the food profiles. And my wife can do this. I know because I've, I've had dinner at the Moore's house. I know that they're like this. Like some people can like taste food and begin to recognize what's in it just by tasting it, like, oh, this has cumin in it, you know, or this has cilantro. I don't know why you put cilantro in anything, but it has cilantro in it. And I was thinking of the, the flavor profiles in our world that are brought out, and I was thinking of, of the kingdom profiles versus the, the profiles we don't want. And I was like, this is what we're supposed to bring out. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are to be about, like, lifting up joy in this world, like, that's, that's what it means to be salty, is that you're bringing out, it's not about you, it's not about the salt, it's about what you can bring into the world. It's joy and peace and kindness and encouragement. And I was thinking, in our world, oftentimes we as followers of Jesus lean into the same flavor profiles that the world just naturally brings about, like anger, bitterness, insecurity, fear, those sorts of things. You know what I mean? Like, what does it mean to be salty people everywhere we go and to mix in so that we bring about the God flavors of the world. Now, saltiness has all kinds of different thoughts and ideas, and um, every now and then I play golf with people who have salty language. It's a little different than the kind of salt that God's talking about or that, that Jesus is talking about here, right? I'm not talking about Come on. There's different kinds of salt, and, I, and, I, and, I, and you think, how do you live in such a way that the salt brings about the good in the world? Um, when you drive on Shea this time of year. <laughs> I've, seen, I, I've seen people cut other people off because they're in a hurry. And some people drive slow in the fast lane. And I've seen the people who have been cut off speak in sign language to the people who cut them off. <laughs> like, we're number one, I think is what they're saying. I don't know. I'm like, that's salty. But that's a certain kind of salty. And the saltiness that God, that Jesus is talking about, that he wants us to bring about is that joy. How do we, how do we use our lives to bring that about? Now, salt had certain, um, there, there was a certain understanding when Jesus' hearers uh, heard this, and it, and it should for us. So let me give you some ideas of what salt was in that, that day. It was flavors, like what we're talking about. Salt was added to, to, to give flavor to certain things. Back then, just like it is today, do you add salt to your food? Yes, everybody adds salt to their food, right? You add salt to flavor it. Salt is also used for what? Um, as a preservative. Yeah, it's used as a preservative. And in the ancient world, if they had fish or meat, they would take salt. If they didn't eat it all at that, that moment, they would take salt and they would coat it in the salt to give it a longer shelf life. 
in essence. They didn't have a Fry's they could drive to or an Albertson's to, you know, grab some food or Whole Foods or wherever. Um, so they would coat in salt because it was a preservative. Um, salt also was a, a measure of value. This was one that I didn't know about um, that, I, that I've learned. Uh, do you know how Roman soldiers in the ancient world were paid? They were paid with salt. Roman soldiers were paid with salt. He's not worth his weight. Have you ever heard that? Um, did you know that the root word of salt is the same root word as the word salary? I didn't know that. But go look it up. In the Latin, same root words um, of the two. And so the idea was salt was, was valuable. It brought value and I think Jesus was like, all of these little pictures were powerful for Jesus. And then salt, just like in our world today, salt in the ancient world had some healing property to it, right? Now think about this. And if you miss everything else today, I just want you to take the idea of salt with you. These four things that, that salt do, it adds flavor, it preserves life, or it brings life about, it adds value, and it heals. If nothing else, if you take nothing else from here today, if you would wrestle with the question, how can I be salty in the world in which I live, I think you'll, it, it'll lead you to a good journey this Lent for, towards Easter. How can I be salty? How, how can I not see the kingdom of God as something that maybe is just proclaimed on a Sunday morning? How can I bring a flavor preservative, value, and healing to the world in which I live. Look, some of us, some of us can do this in our own homes. Some of us this morning are in this place, and you had a rough morning. You, you had a fight this morning. Some of you are like, how do you know? I'm assuming there's just some, someone in this room who had a really rough morning and part of it is because I've had kids. And getting to church on Sunday mornings, into a, getting anywhere in the morning sometimes is really difficult. And things, and you're like, put the shoes on and tie them. We're going to church to worship Jesus today. <laughs> Some of you, that was your morning. And, and so the idea of how can, I, how can I bring value, how can I bring healing, how can I bring healing into even my home, my work. Um, Sky Jathani, who's an author, he says this, forget the Caesars and the Herods and, and the Plato's. The world doesn't need any more YouTube stars or social celebrities. And that's who we think has the platform to, to, to persuade people in a certain direction. Jesus affirms the world-shaping value of ordinary people, ordinary people, who follow the ways of an extraordinary God. That's, that's what we're called to. And listen, if you go back and you look at history, um, you know Ivy League schools, all but one were started by followers of Jesus. And you, couldn't, you probably couldn't name them who started them. But they believed people had the people in the world should have the opportunity for education. And so to be salt in that world, they began institutions of higher learning, hospitals. Most of the hospitals in our world, uh, the, the origins of them come from 
followers of Jesus who believe that you should take care of sick people, not set them on the side of the road and leave them. Orphanages. Many of them were started by Christians. Those aren't people with high profiles who stand on a stage in order to influence other people. They are those who understand the value, the flavor, the healing that we can bring when we just live differently in our everyday lives. Are you with me still? Amen. Yeah, that's, that's our call. As they're, they're working this out in the New Testament, let your conversation be gracious and seasoned with salt. I like that. Just the words that we use, the kind of conversations that we enter into. Just think about the ways your, your, your conversation can bring about healing and flavor and preservation, right? Like how, how can our conversations do that? Just as salt is necessary in our world, so is light, right? So the, the, the two pictures that, that we're being given here, um, salt and, and light, these two things um, add life. Like the, our world could not exist with salt, without salt and without light. Did you know that? Like those two things are essential ingredients in our world. And I think Jesus is saying that. You're essential. Like you, you are, you're essential to this world. Without light, we don't have plants or warmth or beacons. Effective light does not call attention to itself. Sometimes I say things and Siri thinks I'm talking to her, and I'm not. I love it. It's awesome. Where are we? I forgot. Okay, anyway. Salt necessary, light necessary, you get it. Um, Eugene Peterson, here's another way. To, uh, to say it. So the salt idea, like you're here to bring about the God flavors in the world. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be a light bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill, now that I've put you on a hilltop, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people. Check this out. By, by doing good is another way to say this. By doing good you encourage or prompt people to open up to who God is. One of the things as I was working through um, the journal when we were putting it together, and now one of the things that maybe for the first time I recognized is salt um, does not exist for itself. And if I was going to eat dinner last night, if I decided, you know what, I'm, I don't really want to go to all the trouble of a baked potato, I'm just going to eat salt. It's ridiculous. Yeah, bacon maybe, but not the salt. Like, it has to have something with it. Like, you, like, salt doesn't exist for itself, and it's not good on its own, right? Like, it needs something. And light also doesn't exist for itself. Light doesn't exist to light itself up. Light exists for others. And this is the, the, one, of the, one of the pieces of, of Jesus' teaching is that you exist not just for yourself. You exist to bring out flavor and light and life for the world. Do, do good. Throughout the Bible, I'm not going to read all these, but I, I just started making a list. The Lord gives his own reward for doing good. 
Like if you do good, like there's rewards to that. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace in the world. If you plan to do evil, you will be lost. If you plan to do good, you will receive unfailing love and faithfulness. That's in the Proverbs. Learn to do good. Like it's throughout the Bible, Christians are called to do good. Yeah, you're with me. Even then, I have another list. There's, it's just all throughout the Bible. Do what is good and run from evil. Do good to those who hate you. That one's hard. I almost like ignored it and skipped it, but do good even to those who hate you. Like, do good. What if Christians, what if followers of Jesus were only known for the good they did? Would it, would, would it be good? Now, now listen, there's some debates on, on this. Like, what if, would it mean that Christians are, are, are soft on truth if they were just known for, for doing good? I don't know. I'm going to let you, I, I'm not going to give you an answer. Like, what's the downside if Christians were known only to be people who were doing good? Like, you, like I, don't, I don't believe what those Christians believe. They're crazy, which might be true, but I, I don't want to live without them. What if our world, you know, our world says some interesting things about Christians? What if the one thing they said was, you know, I don't believe like them. I don't want to go to church on Sunday. I don't want to sing those songs that they sing. But I'll tell you what, if they weren't here, our world would be a worse, worse place to live. I think there could be worse things than that. Like doing good is something that we should be known for. Look at what I think Paul wrote, um, wrote this, do everything without complaining or arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean and innocent lights, uh, lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. In other words, be the brightness that the world needs in a world of darkness. Like there's this encouragement, you are blessed, you are blessed. Now, that blessing doesn't exist just for you. You are to live in such a way that it brings out God flavors. So it helps others see the, the, the light of God in the world in which you live. Any faith, I was, I was reading um, a book by Amy Jill um, oh, Levine, yeah. Any, she says this, any faith that does not manifest itself in works is not faith. It is complacency and self-satisfaction. I thought that's an interesting statement. I mean, that's a bold statement. Any faith, like if we claim to have faith, but that faith doesn't manifest itself or it doesn't work its way out of our heart and minds into our lives, then she would say that's not even faith. It's just complacency. That's, that's a powerful statement. Jesus is clear that the entire point of salt and light is to be a positive influence in the world. That's the entire point of it. You're blessed. Now, go be good news. Don't just be good news in a certain, like, any of you like steak? Any, like, I love steak. I know some of you are vegans in the room and vegetarians. I'm so sorry, but um, I, I love steak. And I have a friend who's actually in the room today. And I used to put all this different seasoning on my steaks. Like I would get the Montreal 
steak, and I'd buy like nice steaks and then put the Montreal or whatever on it. And I have a good friend in the room who he said, all it needs, Matt, is salt and pepper. You just coat that thing in salt and pepper, throw that on the grill, and your life will be changed. And he was right. <laughs> like that's all it needs. And what I learned was that you just can't put the salt on the top of it and put it on the grill like that. Because salt altogether actually ruins the flavor of it. you got to spread it out. Listen, church, when you leave this place, see, we, we can't just be salty when we come together. When we leave this place, the power of the kingdom of God is when salt spreads its way, when light begins to infiltrate the dark places of our world. That's the power of the faith. Are you with me? That's, that's, why, that's why the kingdom spreads and blossoms in the way that it does. So four quick, um, four quick ideas for you this week to take and, and think about these this, uh, this week as, as you're moving towards Easter. And here they are. Use your words to add flavor. How can you do that? How can you just take the words that you have? God has given you words. Some of us, God has given more words than others. How can you use them to add flavor? How can you be a healing presence in your home, in your home, in your work, in your neighborhood? How can you bring healing to that? How can you bring healing to that place? Just like salt can bring some healing. How can you, how can you do that? How can you practice random acts of kindness? I love that phrase, random acts of kindness. Like, we see that all over the place. Like, how can you live in such a way that you're looking for opportunities to do something randomly to bring acts of kindness, to bring kindness and goodness. I love random acts of kindness, but you know what's, what's just as good? Intentional acts of goodness. So there's the random that happens, random, I'm like a DJ. And then there's the intentional acts of goodness. So we, we walk through life looking for opportunities to do something in a random way, but then we also plan our schedules intentionally in order to do something good. Are you with me? Does that make sense? So Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And likewise, you're the light of the world. Don't, don't like have, be a candle that's covered up by a bowl. Like open your life, share your life. Share goodness with the world. It desperately needs it. Um, now, the difficulty is we all live in the real world, don't we? We have challenges. And you go to work and you're working with people who are sometimes difficult. Not everybody, but there are some difficult people. Do you know a difficult person in your life? And so you have this, like you hear on Sunday morning and you're like, okay, I'm going to go be salt. And then Monday morning you get there and you're like, Sometimes it's good to be salt, but not salt in the wound, if you know what I'm saying. Like, so how do, you, how do you keep the perspective of bringing good even in really difficult, hard situations? Well, Easter is the story of Jesus. And this is why Jesus being at the center of our minds is vitally important. Jesus, even though he was innocent, took the pain, the beating, he, he stretched out his arms and took the nails in his wrist and his feet and he hung up on a cross and in the midst of all of it, he said, Father, forgive them. He didn't, he didn't 
speak condemnation over them. He said, Father, forgive them. So how do we do it? We fix our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith. Because the strength doesn't come from us. It comes from the Spirit. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask you just to stand with me. We're going to sing one last song. And as we do, uh, I just want you to spend some time reflecting, thinking. There's some candles in the back of the room. Light represents God's presence. And some of you, um, as a response today, you, like you have some situations in your life and you need to go light a candle and say, God, I need your presence this week because I can't do this on my own. So maybe you want to light a candle. Uh, there's... In the back of the room, there's a prayer wall, and maybe you just came in with something heavy on your heart, and you want to write something and just put it up on that wall as your way of saying, God, this is my confession, or this is what I need today. There's communion in the back of the room, which represents the body and the blood of Jesus. Some of you just need to be reminded today how much God loves you. And so take communion. A piece of bread that represents his body broken, a cup of juice that represents his blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. God, in this time, in this space, and in this moment, we turn back to Jesus to focus our attention on him. And it's interesting, the one who said, you are the light of the world, like he told us we were the light, he also said he was the light. And so, God, we receive him and his light so that then we may in turn bring about goodness in this world. God, thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray.